If you're a fan of everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you can support the show for as little as one single dollar redo per month, where you'll not only be granted eternal happiness, but you also get access to exclusive podcasts, our exclusive Facebook community, prize draws, and much, much more. So become a member of the Four Finger Discount family today by going to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Link is in the description of this podcast. Four Finger Discount, dude. Welcome to this very special episode of Four Finger Discount. We have finished season 16, so of course at the end of every season we like to do a little bit of a, a little wrap up of the season, but we're going to be doing things a little bit differently this season here. We're going to be giving you our top 10 episodes of season 16 of The Simpsons. I'm very excited. I am Dando. I'm Guy and I'm very confused because Dando just keeps changing the rules all the time. That's what you can do when you're the master. Yeah. Well, that's correct. <laughs> He's the master and I'm merely the apprentice. Uh, no, that's, it's all good. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to roll with this uh, new uh, combination that Dando has set up. Uh, he's behind the wheel and I'm in the passenger seat. Happy to go with along for the ride. We are nine days into the new year, Dando. How is 2023 treating you so far? It's been great. It's been a really good year for me so far, particularly just family-wise, just, you know, time with the kids and because it's school holidays at the moment, so there's, there's lots of little kids running around, but it also means that parents are taking time off work to look after the kids. So we're having more play dates with Elliot's friends from daycare and mm-hmm. things like that. The kids started daycare again last week. Not going to lie, I was happy for him to go back because I was looking forward <laughs> to some downtime because we didn't get any days off. And you don't get a day off from being a parent. I know that sounds horrible, but we didn't get any time to sort of clean the house up or just do shit that you need to do around the house. You know, mm. I had some podcasts needed to be edited. When it's just kids running around, it's very hard to do these things. So, And they were excited to go back as well to go see their friends that they hadn't seen because not every child that Ali is friends with at daycare, we know their parents, so he, he was excited to go back. Um, but it's just been fun. Last weekend, we took the kids because it was really great weather here in Geelong. Both days mm. are 30-ish. Took the kids to the beach and Ali, he's normally a child. We actually discussed this, Nicola and I, in the recent Friends podcast we did. Um, if you're a friend of Friends, check that out. We just reviewed the one with a dozen lasagnas. But we were discussing how Ali, we took him to the beach and he suggested the Ferris wheel. And Ali is usually a kid. <laughs> he's outgoing, but he doesn't really like trying new things. He, he likes to have a, a, a schedule, a plan. He likes to, likes to sort of map out his day. And if things go <laughs> off that, he can Much like his dad. Be, yeah, yeah, and it can sort of be hard to sort of get things back on track for him. He doesn't like to sort of differ and, and sort of go go off track. But I mean, he, he said, suggested the Ferris wheel, and he was on it, and he fucking loved it. And he's also one for water. He doesn't like water so much because he got splashed. Um, he got dunked, sorry, when he was doing swimming lessons once after oh. the teacher said to him, I promise you won't go under, and then she proceeded to just dunk him. And he's, he's had trust issues with water ever since then. Um, but he was just <laughs> swimming around in the water. Water was going all over his head. The waves were going over his head. He didn't care. It was just a really fun family day. I had a great time. So much so that I even posted a photo on Facebook. I don't do it all that often, but I posted a family fun day photo on Facebook. What about yourself? How was your weekend? Uh, it was very nice. Not not quite as eventful as yours. I mean, yours sounds like um, Elliot sort of moving ahead in leaps and bounds. And uh, But no, I did see that uh, that photograph uh, on, on, on the Ferris wheel. I'm like, oh. Look at that delightful clan. And look how well they're dressed. I, I don't actually know. Were you, 
<laughs> Another photo that's uh, that's gone up. Maybe you just sent it to me, or maybe it's on Instagram or whatever. I posted it to you. Yeah. Yes. Dando was wearing uh, the Christmas present that I got for him from Bali. <laughs> uh, yes. All the Dando clan were clad in bintang singlets. Uh, <laughs> yes. The the purchase for any dinky die Aussie when you're in Bali. Um, I thought they all looked fantastic, and and my eye for size actually turned out to be not that bad because yeah, you, when I bought you, them, you were discussing in the last show that you thought Holly's would be too small. Now nah, I feel her fine. She loves it. She was she she wanted to wear it to daycare today. I'm like, kid, I don't think you walk up to daycare in a bing tank. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd, I think it'd charm who's boss. Yeah, well, she she already is the boss. Trust me. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a good year so far. Oh, good year. Uh, well, yeah, but uh, no, nice times. Uh, uh, for uh, for Mr. Davis here, um, spent a couple of days at the beach actually with uh, with the lovely Louise, uh, going down to Brimley and just you know enjoying a little late afternoon sunshine, slathering myself in sunscreen as someone as pale as a ghost like me is wont to do, but you know just enjoying a bit of a bit of salt, bit of sand, bit of a yeah you know, bit of sunshine, lovely times with the lovely Louise. Any books you reading at the moment? Were you reading a book? Uh, I am actually. Uh, I'm reading a really good one that uh, that Lou gave me for Christmas. Uh, it's by a guy named David Milch. He's probably best known as the creator of the TV series NYPD Blue and Deadwood, but he's got a really long career as a TV writer and a, and a writer of other things. And it's just it's really fascinating because, first of all, he's just lived a life. I mean, he's you know sort of a He's an incredible writer, an incredible intellect, clearly, but he's also like an incredibly degenerate gambler, um, kind of partial to drugs in just about any form, um, manufactured his own acid at some stage, um, and he's also writing this while he's, and this sounds odd, but it's actually lending a really interesting element to the book. He's writing it while he's in the grips of dementia. So he's sort of, his memories are... Sometimes lucid, sometimes I'm told this is the way it happened. Maybe it did. So it's, and he's just got a wonderful, wonderful turn of phrase. Uh, it's called Life's Work. And if you're interested in writing at all, or just interested in life, you know, um, it's one that I really recommend you, you check out. I mean, I've got a bunch of biographies and memoirs on my, on the bookshelf over here. I'm pointing at it. We're on a podcast. You can't see it. But I I'm can't see it on the video book. either. <laughs> no, that's right. Hang on a sec. There, there we go. Goes. Yeah, I did a little turn of the laptop and there it was. Now, I mean, I've been reading memoirs a lot recently by, you know, people, a lot of showbiz and creative types. You know, Seth Rogen, Will Smith, Oliver Stone, a whole bunch. Some I'll read once and I say, oh, I'll keep that maybe. And, yeah, I might revisit at some stage. Some are like read once. I'm like, eh, how can, how can I fob this up to? The Milcher one is one I'm going to keep, and I'm definitely going to revisit. Merry Christmas, so. Nicola. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy Seth Rogen's memoir. No, it was the um, the Matthew Perry one. Oh, the Matthew Perry one. That's yeah. correct, yeah. <laughs> Has she read that? Has she enjoyed it? She enjoyed it, it yeah. She goes, a lot of it, sort of, you can just tell, it's just like, what are you talking about, mate? But she, 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 she's a avid Friends fan, so she was always going to enjoy it nonetheless. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I'm a, I'm a big Perry fan, but what I've read of it, and I've read some, um, some interviews surrounding the book, it's kind of like... Jesus, man, you, I mean, I know he talks about addiction as this disease that's kind of grabbed him. It's like, oh, man, you got a yeah, bad hand of cards. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, ooh, pretty nasty stuff. But, uh, no, uh, Life's Work by David Milch is one that I'm reading currently and really, really recommend. All righty. Well, on that note, shall we get into our top 10 season 16 episodes of The Simpsons? 
Let's, after the little prolonged book review by yours truly. <laughs> well, basically, the way this is going to work, I believe we did it similar maybe for season 15. Not quite sure. We've definitely done this I think before. So. But Guy's going to try and guess my top five. I'm going to try and guess his top five, and then we'll see how close we were at the end. No particular order. Just try and guess the five. And then mm-hmm. each, of us, each of us are going to run through our top five, starting at five and working our way through to one until we can work out and explain what our favourite episode of season 16 was. And I'm not going to lie, I actually found this quite difficult. There was a Mm. a lot of really good episodes this season, I thought. What about you? Yeah, I think the the best ones for me really sort of leapt out. Uh, And Yeah, but getting to the sort of the... um is the pointy end the good end or the bad end? Oh no, getting to the you the know, pointy end is usually I, just I, like when you say the pointy end, it's like the the end of the, fu- the footy season or whatever. Like it's the it's the important yeah. end. Yeah. Well, getting to the pointy end is like mm, yeah, there's a few to choose from here. Which, you know, there were a few that were naturals, but it's like oh yeah, I'm definitely picking that. And then when yes, yeah, got to the pointy end, it's like mm, this, that, the other. Let's yeah. see. Yeah, my my one and two could have gone either way. Really, it's almost like flip a coin. Really, my one and two. That's correct. Well, I've got my five and I've got your five here as well. Yes, all righty. But before we do that, though, what do you think overall, season 16 of The Simpsons, yay or nay? I think it was a big thumbs up. I I'm think I went through it. I went through the episodes and there was only maybe one or two, one in particular that stands out as a terrible episode that on a clear day. There was nothing out, nothing else besides the episode that really stood out in that regard, though. Like There were some ones that were just like, yeah, they were, they were fine. They weren't that great. But there were none that really, besides that one, that really made me go, I'm never going to watch that one again. I've got to agree, yeah. I mean, I think we've talked a lot throughout our review of this season of Four Finger Discount, this uh, recap of all these review of season 16. Uh, I think the word surprise came up a lot because, you know, we were thinking, mm. oh, you know, we're reaching a stage where the show, the wheels might be starting to wobble a little bit. And I think we were pleasantly surprised by the quality of a lot of the episodes. You know, we'd reached the end of an episode of Talking About One Go, wasn't that bad, actually pretty good. So, yeah, I think that was uh, surprise is the word that, uh, and pleasant surprise is the word that sort of crops up. I think, we're getting, I think we're getting closer to the wheels falling off because I know, and even staff members have admitted this, that when they were working on the movie and the show at the same time, the show suffered as a result because it was yeah. trying to spread themselves too thin. Well, I think it'll be interesting for us to look at those episodes then. I mean, you know, it, if you tune into Four Finger Discount listeners for pure positivity, I'm not going to say look elsewhere because please stay with us. But at the same time, I think we're going to be analysing a lot more what worked and what didn't and, you know, trying to analyse why that's actually the case. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be rah, 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 Simpsons. We're going to be, you know, this is not quite Simpsons of old, but it's, you know, going into a new phase. It maybe worked because of this. It didn't work because of that. But I think and I hope, you know, that listeners dig what Dando and I do because we're, you know, not afraid to say that ain't it, Chief, you know, on certain episodes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I'm going to run through what I think will be your five, no particular order. And I'm going to take my headphones off. You take your headphones off that way, yes. That way he can't. All right. Just, just put the finger up when you're ready. Not not, not, not that finger, the other Okay. <laughs> All right. Here All right. we go. Take my right. off, headphones off now. All right, listeners, here we go. So I've got in guys five. He's going to have There's Something About Marrying. Because I think he was a big fan of Homer being the uh, overseer of the um, of the wedding. He liked Homer in that episode in particular. I think he would like Don't Feed the Roofer. He was a big fan of Ray Romano's guest appearance in that one. I also think he will like All's Fair and Oven War. For some reason, I seem to remember him really enjoying that one where Marge is the, uh, the cook. And, you know, Guy Davis loves his food, as do we all. So All's Fair and Oven War. 
I also think Mummy Beerist. So Mummy Beerist is the one where Marge takes over. She turns Moe's into an Irish pub. Guy was a big fan of that one because it's a very Moe-based episode. He loves him some Moe. And finally, I've just put Slipping with the Enemy in there because Slipping with the Enemy is an episode that, even though it might not have been one of Guy's favorites, I just feel like you can't leave that out of a top five for this season. Um, it's, it's just a great episode overall. So Slipping with the Enemy, Mummy Beerist, All's Fair and Oven War, Don't Fear the Roofer, and There's Something About Marrying, what I think Guy's five will be. I'm going to give the finger to Guy now, not the roof finger, the one finger. Here he comes. He's put the headphones back on. There we go. All right. I'm now. back. Now what's going to happen is... So it's five episodes, right? Yes. Yeah. I was explaining just a quick little brief why I thought you'd put that <laughs> in your five. All right, so I'm going to take my headphones off now. You give me the finger when it's time for me to return. All right, headphones off. Boy, that dando sucks. <laughs> of course he doesn't, folks, uh, but he couldn't hear what I said just then. Anyway, okay, this is what I consider to be Dando's top five with a little bit of a wild card in there. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go into as much depth as our man here, but uh, here are the ones that I believe he liked, and let's see how accurate I am. Uh, in the top five for one Brendan Dando, Goo Goo Guy Pan... Uh, of course, because of the parent and angle, you know, we know Dando loves his kids. <laughs> um, uh, Don't Fear the Roofer is in there. Treehouse of Horror, 15. The Heartbroke Kid, primarily for the uh, Albert Brooks appearance, which I know he really dug. And because, <laughs> on a clear day, I can't see my sister. He kind of blew the joke because he already name-checked a little earlier, but uh, I'm just going to throw it in there for shits and giggles. And that is that. So time for me to put the finger up and bring Dando back into the fold. I'm back. And he's back. Okay. All righty. Okie dokie. So we've done the five. Let's see how much we know each other. Because last time we didn't do very well, if I remember correctly. <laughs> That's true. Hopefully this we've gone to know each other a little more this year. Hopefully. Hopefully so. <laughs> All right. So you kick off, Mr. Davis. What is your number five in your top five of season 16? It is uh, The Heartbroke Kid. The Heartbroke Kid. You've put it in there. Okay, there you go. So what did you like about this episode? Uh, <laughs> Two words, really. Albert Brooks. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great, wasn't yeah. it? It was just, it, it, for me, I've just got, it's a forgotten Al Brooks classic appearance. It really was not, it, it's never going to be compared to Hank Scorpio. People just have that nostalgia for Hank Scorpio, but I think I laughed more at that episode than any other episode of the season, if I'm being honest. Of, of Heartbroke Kid? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, it's very much a 50 50 uh, kind of proposition. I mean, that whole. I oh, know. I guess inciting incident of uh, putting uh, putting uh, vending machines in the school and everything being sort of very extreme in that early two thousands way, and Bart gaining a lot of weight as a result, and having then having to go to a fat camp that's uh, overseen by Albert Rooks's character. Yeah, I, I can take or leave that. I mean, it, it it's not uh, offensive or even that unfunny. But the episode really kicks up a gear or shifts into a, a different and higher gear. Once you've got uh, Mr. Mister A. Brooks as uh, as Tab Spangler just riffing, you know, and then you get he and Dan C. just going at it like a couple of tennis, uh, tennis champs just rallying like crazy. Um, yeah, that's just something that really stood out to me this season as a highlight. I, I really liked that episode completely, actually. I liked the Bart gaining weight story. I liked the uh, how they had the fake intro mid-episode. Remember that? 
when he'd got fat. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, it just it, like it felt to me. I remember watching that feeling like it felt like a like season ten-ish era episode of The Simpsons. I really liked. For me, it was just like a time capsule because I was a kid through that era of the. Not this much the extreme, but the yo, yo, yo. So like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the extreme was sort of like the late 90s. This was just like when you had 50 Cent in the top and you had all, all these- all these exhibit. <laughs> it's all that rap. It was all that the rap at that point in time. And um, yeah, it was a very hip hop based era. You had your Pimp My Rides and all that kind of stuff <laughs> on MTV. And I think just because I lived through that as a child, I really enjoyed that aspect of the story as well. But obviously, Albert Brooks was the highlight. And yeah, for me, that was a real standout this season, The Heartbreak Kid. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, there was something else that I forgot to mention that, you know, I'm, I'm making it sound like Albert Brooks was the only thing I liked about this episode, when clearly that's not the case, because anytime you have German accents, uh, you know, it's an automatic winner for Guy. Exactly right. Yeah. So, <laughs> And this has a house full of, uh, you know, uh, snotty German backpack. And Homer, <laughs> so knowing, Homer knowing the second verse to 99 Red Balloons. No Luftballons. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's comic catnip for yours truly here. So, yeah, uh, Heartbroke Kid is in there for me. All right, my number five is Goo Goo Gaipan, when ah. Salma wants to adopt the baby. And Homer, I just thought Homer was absolutely awesome in this episode. He, <laughs> um, they, they didn't really treat him with the respect. I, I guess he hasn't really built up much trust with the other characters in recent seasons, but they, you know, mm. they had to drug him to get him to go there to do it. But eventually he agrees to do it and he helps. He genuinely wants to help out Salma there. But there was that moment at the end where... She says, how do you do it, Homer? Or something along those lines. Mm. And he, he sort of, no, or she says, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And he sort of says to her, no, Selma, trust me, you will be able to do this. From, coming from someone with experience, you'll be able to do this. I always love it when Homer has those moments with Patty and Selma, where it's like the, the, the comedy comes from them hating each other, but you've also got to have those moments here and there thrown in to sort of go, oh, but they're human. you know, And they're, yeah. even though they're related through marriage, there's still love there. Yeah, or, or at the very least, some recognition of each other's humanity and struggles and all that kind of, and finding some common ground in that regard. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it's quote unquote endlessly entertaining when you've got people who are at each other's throats the whole time, like um, like Homer and um, and his sister in laws. Uh, but yeah, you're right to throw in just a tiny bit of a curveball every once in a while of, as I said, that recognition that. Um, they're in it together or that they have problems that they can relate to and bond over. Yeah. I, I thought that was really great. Uh, yeah. Look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of Goo Goo Guy Pain. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I, but I, and I knew that you would do as well. I mean, and also it's good, you know, uh, you, get, you get that nice lesson at the end about how to draw Bart from, uh, from the master, David oh, Silverman. That's exactly right. I'd even forgotten about that. What I also liked was, I always saw that premise as ludicrous. And then when we did the review, I realized it actually happened for Dana Gould. That's literally, he's based that story on his experience of adopting a child True. from China. That made me appreciate the episode more going, oh shit, no, people actually, do, this is a real, th this isn't a stupid premise. As silly as, as this sounds, these, this is the lengths that some people have to go to to adopt a child. And I, just, I fell in love with the episode as a result of that. And I also just thought it was one of the better the Simpsons go-to episodes in recent seasons as well. Because we've had some stinkers. Absolutely. And yeah. I thought this one was overall, had some moments where you just sort of, yeah, whatever. But overall, because you always have those montages where it's just, okay, the Simpsons are doing this. The Simpsons, it's just like they go out for a day and they just do various China-based shit or they do various England-based shit. I thought this one here was definitely one of the better ones that we've had since maybe like uh, 30 minutes over Tokyo. Yeah. Look, something I've come to terms with, over the course of 
me being part of Four Finger Discount and looking at uh, old episodes of The Simpsons, is that, yeah, if you are going to be have a Simpsons go abroad episode or go somewhere else episode, it's going to have some very broad cliches in there. You're just going to have to accept that. And, you know, you, you, I don't know, you, you suck it up and go with it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, overall, um, Gugu Gaipan was... Probably the uh, the biggest surprise for me this season. I remember going into it going, oh, God, this is going to be stupid. And coming out of it going, that was really great. So that was my number five, Goo Goo Guy Pan. Uh, next for me is, yeah, as, as I said, folks, my numbering system might be a little all over the shop here, but these are all episodes that I really dig. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say I'm going to say the seven beer snitch. Okay. Yeah. I was tossing up whether the throw, I did not put that in your top five. I was tossing up whether to put that one in there because- I remember you enjoying it, but I, I picked five other ones that I thought you might enjoy more. But tell me, what, what was mm-hmm. it about the Seven Beer Snitch that you liked? I mean, I, I just enjoyed Homer being the snitch. I thought it was funny with his little hat on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty hilarious. It, it felt like it just had a really solid story. I think maybe in the lead up, in maybe a couple of episodes prior to this one had kind of felt like they were cobbled together out of spare parts that were lying around the writer's room. And this felt like a legitimate A to B to C to D story you know it's not like oh you've just lego parted that one onto you know an existing thing you already had it's like no this feels like it's wholly created all of a piece uh even though if you sort of look at a synopsis of it, it's like oh how'd they get from there to there um, i guess they got from there to there that way but no watching it it felt like no this is flowing very very nicely and and you know the a plot and the b plot and you know with um with snowball 2 Oh, was it that one? Okay, where she goes to find another family. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is... Which doesn't really get wrapped up all that well, the second one? No, 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 to the best of my regulation. But I enjoy that part of it, you know. But uh, mainly it's it's home in prison. You know, you've got good guest stars like, uh, well, John Montaigne shows up, of course, as as Fat Tony. You've got my man Charles Napier in there as the the warden. Mm. Uh, Frank Gehry, the architect. Yeah. rocks up as well I, something I really enjoy about The Simpsons in terms of the guest stars that it brings in, in and it did, it did it a couple of times this season you know it brings in name actors occasionally or high profile people I mean of course there's the episode that has all the sports stars in it uh, but to get a name brand architect like Frank Gehry in I mean he's not necessarily a household name but if he's like you say the name Frank Gehry, it's like, he's an architect. Direct- oh, he directed, he, he designed and built those things. That's great. In the architect Get world, him. he's huge, yes. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, he's oh, you, you got the rock star of architects yeah. to be on The Simpsons. That's great. So that's something that I really enjoy. And, of course, you know, with uh, with Seven Beer Snitch, I dug the inciting thing about hoot, 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 and all that guy. Oh, Is yeah, they, in this the show before? Of course, because that's why they built the, th- yes. Yeah, that was, yeah, that because was a really they fun opening, wasn't the, it? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's so-and-so from Springfield and just paint, painting him as these absolute hicks and rubes. <laughs> I thought uh, you were going to say I, all I got, everyone from Springfield walking out of the, um, of the August, not the August, the, um, the auditorium. The theatre. Yeah. yeah. I don't I, know. I just got, I got a real kick out of that. So, yeah, uh, Seven Beer Snitch is, is certainly up there for me. Yes. All righty. Well, good choice. Um, I have, as my number four, Prankster Rap. Similar to uh, The Heartbreak Kid, Kind of a time capsule of the time with the with the rapping and things like that. I thought Nancy Cartwright did a great performance as Bart with the rapping in that episode. Mm-hmm. But what I liked the most about it was we got to see Chief Wiggum do actual police work, trying to solve the mystery of where Bart's being kidnapped from because Bart went missing. Oh, and yeah. he, 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 cause he Bart causes the um the fake kidnapping 
uh, because he's annoyed at his parents for not letting him go out to the um to or, no he didn't want Marge to find out he'd been to the to the rap concert that's what he did it for yeah. and that story was kind of horrible because he made you know Marge is crying on the phone and she genuinely thinks her child's been kidnapped you kind of think Bart what are you doing mate but seeing Clancy Wiggum do actual police work when all the other cops are like ah don't worry about it I was like I really appreciated this there was that shot where it's like after hours and he's in his like little office with his pencil and pen and it's like it's just the dim light looking down over his mm. desk and. It just felt like genuine police work, and I just really, and he gets promoted as a result because he solves the crime, or yeah. he, he solves the crime that's put in front of him. That wasn't the Kirk didn't actually do it, but what other conclusion would you come to <laughs> when he was at Kirk's house? So precisely right. So yeah. it's not like Clancy did anything wrong there. So he gets promoted, and then he's and then there's the issue of once he realizes that it was all fake, he's like, oh. Yeah, but I've just been promoted and you feel sorry for the guy. But I also <laughs> like that, you know, we, we've mentioned Kirk in our recent um, re- re- revisit review of A House Divided, how Kirk yeah. was going to become a fan favourite after that episode. And that was never actually the plan. But he's just so so much of a loser that you just got to love him. But he was like living <laughs> his best life as a criminal in this episode. Remember all the, all the scrags loved him? Because he was a bad boy. <laughs> so, 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 like, Clancy, so, like, Bart causes this fake hoax. Kirk gets arrested and Clancy gets promoted. And then he's like, guys, we've got to come clean because this didn't happen. And they're like, no, mm. no, leave it. So, I just thought overall it was just a really, really fun episode. I, I definitely see where you're coming from. And I, I, if, I'm not 100% on the same page with you on this. I, it's not one of my favourite uh, from yeah. this season. But I, something I like about the show and – more specifically, what I like that you like about the show is when characters who are, you know, sometimes sidelined or maligned or whatever get their time to shine, get their get their moment in the spotlight. And yeah, it's good to see Clancy actually do right, do his job well, and 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 get rewarded as a result, even if it doesn't really stick. But it's something that I'd certainly dug about this episode because I love Clancy Wiggum. I think he's I think he's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, yeah, look, this may be again a generation gap between thing between you and I. The hip hop stuff in this, and I'm a hip hop guy. I mean, <laughs> as much as a you know middle class middle aged white guy from Geelong can be different hip hop though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this, yeah, and I was about to say, this isn't exactly my era of hip hop. Yeah. Bloody 50 cent. <laughs> but, <laughs> who, yeah, whose much vaunted guest appearance is not much of a guest appearance at nah, all. No, not really. And that's sort of like the whole <laughs> yeah. basis of the marketing for the episode. But I mean, you did spend your time in the club, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. well, yeah. I'm often going to the ladies say, you know, just give me a hug. <laughs> it's what you do in the club. Uh, so, um, you, look, certainly some stuff to enjoy about uh, about pranks to rap. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad that you uh, that you brought it up. I'm glad that we could talk about it. And yeah, there are certainly some things in it that I did enjoy. All righty. What's your number four? Was it number four? Was it, have you done it? Uh, we just, we know we've, I'm up to number, number three. Number three, number three, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, mine. But uh, yes, let's not forget, folks, these numbers may vary. Uh, but I'm going to go with There's Something About Marrying. Mm-hmm. Okay. And tell us, what did you like the most about this one? Uh, it's, it's just got a good heart, really. I mean, you know, we talked a bit about, uh, about, about Patty Ann Selma in, uh, in discussing uh, Goo Goo Guy Pan a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was just nice, um, you know that uh, they they handled a, a sensitive topic very well, didn't they? I think so. Yeah, particularly yes. in particular because of the era in which this aired. So this aired, I think it was like two thousand and five ish, right? It mm. could have gone many different ways. 
you know, in that era, they could have taken the easy route, but no, they handled it in a way that where you look back now 20 years on and go, well done, Simpsons. You did good. Yeah, I mean, we love the show, clearly, and I think something that comes with loving a work of art or a piece of entertainment or whatever, and loving it wholeheartedly, is you can't be afraid to point out sometimes you didn't quite get it right or you're a little bit behind the times on that one or you're slightly on the wrong side of history, even though your heart might be in the wrong place. You're not malicious, you're just a tiny bit ignorant. And, you know, there have been plenty of sort of gay panic jokes. Um, Another sort of jokes at the expense of, I don't know, marginalised communities, etc., throughout this season and maybe even a little earlier. And again, I don't think it's done sort of maliciously. If I'm going to give the show... It's credit. If I'm going to play devil's advocate, ding, ding, ding. Um, then it's like, I mean, my point of view on on jokes like that is like, well, you know, we all know that it's bad to be bigoted. Everybody knows that now, and we can kind of make fun of it, you know. And you know, if we're making if we're making gay jokes or anything like that, it's usually because you guys are in on the joke now, right? We're not making fun of gay people. We're making fun of people who are. Uh, bigoted against gay people. Yeah. Or, you know, we're being inclusive by, you know, like, well, we make fun of everybody, so we're making fun of you too. The joke is now the, on the person making the joke. Yeah. It can be seen as inclusive, but it can also be seen as, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I know you're saying, hey, it's all good fun, guys, but it can also sting a little bit in some regards. That's a very roundabout way <laughs> of me saying that the, there's something about marrying gets it right. The episode yeah, could have I mean, could have been perceived poorly, where it's revealed that it's a male, that's actually pretend to be a woman. But what solidifies it for me as a, as as an episode that's handled well is where she goes, "Hell no, I like girls," and I was like, shit. "Good, <laughs> like, hello, I like chicks." Yeah, I, I like <laughs> girls, like, yeah. I like chicks, or whatever, whatever it is that she says, something along those lines. It's like, good, that's that's exactly what that moment needed, mm. and yeah, she's she, she, and she's proud of it, and everyone gives her a round of applause as a result. So. And as I was saying, 2005, it was a big deal to, to have, her, have her doing that on television. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, the show, uh, the episode all, all throughout, you know, is presenting not pros and cons point of view, but it's setting up, you know, some interesting drama and conflict, particularly by having Marge, you know, kind of be uncomfortable about the whole situation, despite it might have been you know, the fact that, that wasn't she, yeah. A little bit, yeah. But, you know, it comes to her senses eventually. So, um yeah, it's it's an episode that look. It's not necessarily leaping out to me as the funniest or anything like that, but it struck me as an episode that had real heart and soul, mm-hmm. and both of those things were in the right place. So that's good. My number three was another one of my favourite uh, guest appearances from the season. It was Ray Romano as Don't Fear the Roofer. Uh, as Ray, ah. Ray Magino, Ray Magi- Magina, Magino. It, it Magi- spells, it spells yeah. imaginary, whatever it is. Anyway, yes, <laughs> it does. Yeah. I just thought it was a really, really because Ray Romano is not known for his acting chops so much. You know, he's, I mean, he's, he was fine on Raymond, but he was playing himself essentially. But mm. and he, I guess he was kind of just playing Ray on this as well to an extent. But what I liked about this was Homer. He was sort of like shunned from his friends in this episode for not really doing anything wrong. Like, like mm. remember he, he he accidentally ruins the surprise party for Lenny. They kick him out, and so he goes to find the new bar. That's where he comes across Ray. But I'm a, I'm a sucker for a mystery, and I feel like this episode has <laughs> that really good twist midway. Where when I, when I was a kid, I remember watching when I was a kid going, "Shit, I didn't see that coming." I know you said you saw it coming, but as a kid, I remember watching it going, 
that was fun. What's going on here? I always love it when a twist gets me. And I just have that mm. memory of this episode getting me. And it's got Stephen Hawking in it. The The explanation at the end is somewhat uh, thin. <laughs> but, Indeed. But I think that, yeah, that's why you get Stephen Hawking and you get the smartest man in the world yeah. to instantly led credibility to the <laughs> to this storyline. It's like, what? I don't think so, guys. But if Stephen Hawking is telling you that it went down like this, well, why would he lie? <laughs> and then to back it up with the smartest person from Springfield, Lisa, to go, it works out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's like you've got, a, you've got a corroborating source, a second opinion. So I just thought, you know, two, two really solid guest appearances, Stephen Hawking, Ray Romano. But I was just, like I said, a sucker for a mystery. And I've always always really enjoyed this episode. I, had, I could not remember how late it was in the game. So I was surprised it was in season 16. But yeah, don't feel the mm. room. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm... It, a, a very fun episode. I it didn't make my top five, shall we say? But it, it, it but that was knocking at the door. Yeah, in all honesty, yeah, and and primarily because of uh, Ray Romano's guest spot, which I thought was yeah really good. You, you pointed out that he's not really well at this stage. He wasn't really known as an actor. He was just like you know one of those comedians who lands a sitcom. And Ray is likable enough and surrounded by interesting enough cast. characters played by terrific actors, then yeah. it's like, yeah, we'll stick around and watch these folks for however many years Everybody Loved Raymond was on. Uh, in the years since then, though, I mean, and I think I pointed this out during the episode where we reviewed Don't Fear the Roofer, that, you know, he's become known as a... Mafia guy. <laughs> a, 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 oh, yeah, pretty good actor. You know, and, you know, worked with the Martin Scorsese on a few things, and, you know, he was in, um, in a romantic comedy called The Big Sick, Starring Kamel uh, Nanjiani and uh, I think Zoe Kazan and but the, Holly Hunter. He plays Holly Hunter's husband. Holly Hunter's one of the best actors on the planet. And Ray Romano's opposite. Her, and, you know, not even just holding his eye. He's like, you're buying these two as a couple. They play off each other really well. As I said in the in our episode, you know, he's in a scene in Martin Scorsese's The, the, the Irishman where he's playing opposite Robert De Niro, I think. And you can see just the joy that it's the everybody loves Raymond guy against Robert De Niro, <laughs> and it's like, I'm in a scene with Robert De Niro. And again, not out of place. It's not like, it, it works really, really well. So I was so happy that, um, I, I like Ray Romano a lot, and I thought he just did really good in this. And uh, yeah, but the whole thing about the you know, supposed uh, imaginary yeah. aspect of it, Ray Magini Magini is, uh, yes, yes. is, is the character's name, yeah. I don't know, just a lot of a lot of fun to be had with this episode, and yeah, the, the Stephen Hawking uh, guest spot and the explanation, yeah, it really worked for me. It's a, it's a it's a good fun episode, and I I knew it was one that you would dig. So. I, I think it's, it's just one that you remember the most. And when you think of mm. season sixteen, we go through the episodes. It's one that you go, oh yeah, that one. You know, you, you just see the picture of Ray. I don't think anyone sees the picture of Ray Magini and go, oh, that was a bad episode. Everyone just seems to have that. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number two. Uh, number two for me is uh, Treehouse of Horror, 15. Okay, so I, I leave the Treehouse of Horrors out of my five. Oh. Because I am just I sort of see them in a, a vacuum of their own. They're, they're, they are kind of their own thing, aren't yeah. they? If, if right. you were going to choose one other one besides that to be number two, what do you think you would have gone with? Oh, well, then I pr- if I'm oh, I'm bumping that and I'll put in Don't Feel the Roofer. Okay, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. So tell us, Treehouse of Horror, <laughs> what, what were the um, the segments in this one again? I can't recall. Uh, this was, uh, it had... Uh, uh, the Ned Zone, oh, yeah, where Homer's can—I mean, sorry, Ned can—you know—see disasters that are about to happen. Uh, four beheadings and a funeral, where the, the sort of the Jack the Ripper character and uh, the Fantastic Voyage 
homage in the belly of the boss where uh, Maggie gets shrunk down into a pill and uh, ends up in Mr. Burns's body. Yeah. <laughs> Even they sort of have to go in and, and, and find her. So those are, you know, three kinds of stories that I like. The Dead Zone is my favourite Stephen King novel. Um, I'm <laughs> going to get put on a watch list for saying this, but I'm partial to anything Jack the Ripper. <laughs> and uh, and Fantastic Voyage is a really, you know, cool, uh, cool sci-fi movie from the 60s and an inspiration for the great Joe Dante movie, Inner Space. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I, li- I, like, um, I like all those kinds of things, and I like riffs on them. This was, you know, not among the best tree houses of horror that we've had. I think out of the three uh, that we have there, uh, the Ned Zone was probably my favourite. Yeah, it's definitely the standout yeah, but, for but, me too. But yeah. even, it's like pizza or sex, even a bad tree house of horror is still a tree house of horror. Yes, <laughs> and I think if, like even like the newer ones, at the time, you might, you might go, ah, oh, yeah, it was fine, whatever. But you look back 10 years from now and you always go, oh, no, it was, it was actually pretty good. Like, I, think, I, I think it's very hard <laughs> to find a bad Treehouse of Horror, like you're saying. They're always at least okay. Uh, my yeah, number two is yeah. one that we've already discussed. You had it on your list. Uh, it's The Heartbreak Kid. I had it at number two. All right, all right. For reasons that we've already <laughs> explained. Let's not go into it again. But just, yeah, I just like the Albert Brooks and I enjoyed the, um, the bark getting fat aspect. I thought they had a lot of fun with that as well. But... Your number one, Mr. Davis of the season. I uh, like I said, this is kind of a tough one. Of my, my numbers are all over the place, but I, when I come back to it, I've, I've got to go with all's fair in oven war. Okay, I, I had a feeling you. Li- I had a feeling you would like this one because obviously we're both foodies, but you were a big fan of. James can't. <laughs> and it's the one where Bart creates the penthouse with Millhouse as the B story, but also just Marge as the um as the chef. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um yeah, there's just a lot to enjoy in it. Look, I think uh, I think when we reviewed this, uh my man Jimmy Khan had uh, not long left a uh, lot long left us. Uh, he's uh, gone to the great beyond, Mr. Khan. But yeah, there's just him playing up his reputation as a bit of a ladies' man back in the 70s to the point where he actually lived at the penthouse uh, mansion for a little while after a divorce. Uh, you know, and uh, what's he, who does he pick up? Does he pick up... Uh, Mrs. K. It, Mrs. K, yes. Some guys like a challenge. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic. Uh, again, as I was saying before about you know, unusual guest stars, the most reclusive, yeah, maybe the second most reclusive novelist in American history after J.D. Salinger, Thomas Pynchon, uh, makes not his first but his second appearance in a Simpsons episode yeah. here. And again, playing up the whole I'm so mysterious kind of deal, it it hints at a really sort of impish, mischievous sense of humour on the part of Mr. Pynchon, which I really dig. Um, but yeah, and also just the, the, yeah, the foodie, segment of it and Marge having you know a, a good storyline to herself you know one with plenty of ups and downs I don't know there's just yeah, there's plenty to enjoy I mean the, the whole A plot B plot thing of the um, the cooking competition and the play dude <laughs> lifestyle thing yes. I don't know that just really it really spoke to me it was all stuff that I liked yeah a fair, a fair choice for your number one my number one is called Sleeping with the Enemy. It's the one where Nelson finds his dad. And I just thought, when you think of classic Simpsons, what do they have? They have comedy and they have good heart. And I thought this one, mm-hmm. even though they just seem to have thrown the whole Nelson finding his father's story at the window, watching this episode in a, in a vacuum, in a, as itself, if you forget what comes afterwards, 
I just think it was just great how for a, a good season or so they've been building up how Nelson had been affected mentally, like mentally scarred by his father mm. abandoning him as a kid. I just think finding out that his dad never actually abandoned him. He was just he had the peanut allergy. So he's <laughs> yes. and his dad comes back. And it was nice to see a character although Nelson is a shithead and he's the bully, it, there's reasons for it. You see his life at home and seeing him get that family unit back together and him walking off happy was like, mm. oh, this is like, yeah. like genuinely sweet. You know, this is this is great. He was never abandoned. But you also throw in the whole Marge wasn't getting the love from she was feeling unloved from her kids, mm. you know, and um not not respected, you know, they weren't appreciating her. And she sees Nelson as somewhat of a challenge and she goes, no, this kid, I know he isn't like this for by choice. There's got to be reasons there. I'm going to tap into this. And she, she looks after him and Nelson appreciates Marge. And it was nice to see Marge being appreciated as well. But then you had the really great B plot of Lisa with body image issues, mm. which I thought they handled just like... Like as someone who went through this, like I just like Lisa taking like the, the little bite of the carrot and saying that she can't brush her teeth now or something like I can't remember what yeah. was the exact line, but there was that moment where I was like, that is exactly what it's like. So I just thought they handled both stories superbly in that one. I think that, that when you're thinking of classic Simpsons episodes, you could throw this anywhere and people would buy into it. I just think it was a great, great, great episode of The Simpsons. I feel really guilty that this one kind of slapped my mind, slipped my mind actually, because yeah, Nelson, yeah, Nelson's a bit of a yeah, he could go either way kind of character, but when they decide to dig a little deeper into him or make really good use of him, as they do in this episode, he can be very, very funny. I mean, you know, play for cheap go jokes as he had been in the lead up to this with all the. Papa, can you see me? Papa, can you hear me? But it was actually—it's actually kind of a sucker punch well, when they play it for real. Well, that's in this episode. The Papa, can you see me? Oh, so we, oh. so, so they, they, I mean, they, play, they play it up a lot in this one because it's when he's staying at the Simpsons' house because yeah. he's got nowhere to stay. Oh, that's right. His mum yeah, abandoned yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my mistake. No, no, so, that's fine. But yeah, like as you were saying, like they—they they sort of—it was always just like Papa. Like he was—he was sad for like all these episodes. But yeah. like, like, man, you're making him—you're making him so pathetic. But then they had this awesome payoff with this episode. That's true, yeah. I mean, it was play- played for, you know, either cheap gags or... Yeah, usually for cheap gags. <laughs> yes, but to yeah. have it pay off in the way that it does this episode, it's almost a case for throwing continuity out the window. I mean, I think this is very much a Loki kind of thing where it branches off into its own timeline and let's just, you know, it, it, it's its own thing now. But uh, it's, something that I, it's something I certainly enjoyed. You're right. All right, well... Now that we've run through our top five, each of our top five, we didn't double up. So we've got the top ten episodes. Mm. So you run through your five and I'll run through my five. Actually, no, we did double up on uh, The Heartbreak Kid, all right? We did. So we're going <laughs> to slip one more episode in there. So uh, well, well, do you want to take out Treehouse of Horror and we'll put in another episode? So you had Don't Fear the Roof. I've also got that one there. Yeah. What, I'm going to get the, uh, the episodes up here. Simpsons Season 16. I'll read through what I thought your five were going to be. I thought you mm-hmm. were going to have Slip with the Enemy. I thought uh, my explanation was, how could you not have that one in there somewhere? <laughs> just sort of <laughs> was just my thing. But I thought you had, there's something about marrying. I thought you'd have Don't mm-hmm. Fear the Roofer. I thought you'd have All's Fair and Oven War. And then I'd also thought you were going to have Mummy Beerist, where Marge turns Moe's pub into the Irish pub. Because you're a Mo man. That's true, yeah. I, I, recalling that episode, I mean, it, I don't know. I, not a lot of it sort of leaps to mind, and the stuff that does felt a bit. I don't know if this works. Okay. So I mean, if I think if I'd done a, if I'd done a full revisit of all these episodes in the in the lead up uh, to us recording this episode of Four Finger Discount, 
Were you meant to do that, by the way? Did you do that? I didn't do that. <laughs> um, maybe I would have found stuff that would have maybe gone, oh, maybe. But it wasn't one that, that that automatically sprang to mind for my um, for my top five. If we have to slot one more in there, we've got things like Mummy Beerus. We could have put Midnight RX, which is where Mr. Burns buys all the pharmaceuticals and they have to go to Canada. That's one that I liked. That was a fun actually. one, wasn't it? Where you get Grandpa yeah. and Homer sort of being like the drug mules. <laughs> Yeah, I think that could that could certainly be in there. Yeah, yeah. And is there anything else? I mean, we had um a recent one that we did was uh Home Away from Home, but I think Midnight RX or either that or A Star Is Torn with the singing. Actually, A Star Is Torn was wasn't too bad because I mean I I know how much you like um margin uh no, sorry uh, Home Release episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was a a really good example of that. So that'd be. I think that's one that I could slip in with a slip in with a uh, clear conscience. Yes, what, do you, what do you reckon? But anyway, what did you think my five were going to be? <laughs> uh, now I, I had, let's see. Well, I, I had Treehouse of Horror in there for okay, you. Well, so, yeah. I didn't explain so it to you beforehand, so that's my. So thought, let's yep. cross that off. I got three though. I mean, okay, taking yeah. that out. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought you would have Goo Goo Guy Pan. Mm-hmm. I thought you would have Don't Feel the Roofer. And I thought you'd have the heartbreak kid. Okay, there you go. So, so yeah. I was happy with that. Uh, now, I must have been, I took the piss a little bit and I said, I bet Dan is going to pick on a clear day. I can't see my sister. <laughs> so I, I put that in like a, like a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and um, yeah, Tree has a horror, but words. Cut that out. So yeah. I, got, I got three out of five. That's sixty no, percent. That's what it. That's, that's a C. We both got three. Yes, that, which is much better than what we got last time. I don't think any, we got any last time. So we're getting we better. No, we know each other better. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Every year, it's getting better and better. We do indeed. All right. So that is the top ten of season sixteen of The Simpsons. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. Now, just ask for some mailbag questions, Mr. Dave, just to sort of round this episode out, round this season out before we get into seasons. <laughs> I'm just asking for some money. Yeah, <laughs> so we've got here from our patrons. I posted in the, the uh, Four Figure Discount exclusive Patreon group. If you're not a, a patron, a one dollar plus patron, you obviously aren't in there. As if you, as soon as you're in, you're, you're in forever. So even if you cancel your patronage, which I don't know why you would do that, but even if you did, you're still a member of the exclusive Facebook group. So support the show. It's one dollar. <laughs> it's all it costs, and you'll have eternal happiness being a part of our community. I it, would indeed. greatly appreciate your support. But this question here. Who do you reckon was the first? Is not an option, by the way. No, no. Who do you reckon was the first person to send a question in? <laughs> I'm going to say Andrew JP. Andrew JP. He says, "What are your thoughts on the Disney Plus Simpsons shorts? Would you prefer they do more original stories with their numerous side characters, or keep doing glorified ads for Disney various celebrities?" Fairly think, loaded question there, Andrew JP. I think we all like the first one rather than the second one. I think we got a hint at what the Simpsons themselves think of these things when we interviewed Matt Salmon. And I said to him, I've got a question to ask you about the Simpsons shorts. And he was like, yes. And, like, and he just gave the vibe. It was like, he sort of like handballed it off to James Brooks, remember? He was like, ah, That's right. Brooks, he thought it was a thing that would be a good way to sort of <laughs> keep the relationship going between Disney and us and blah, blah, blah. And I can see where he's coming from. I can see where James L. Brooks was coming from as well. But man, they are, bar maybe like one or maybe mm. two, they are just pointless. They are pointless. They're just... Yeah. <laughs> There's so much you could do. Well, as, as Andrew was saying, he was side characters, and you think, what the? Fu- Why is there a Billy? Is it Billy Eilish? Is that a name? I'm not. I'm not yeah. I'm not. What the, f- <laughs> what the Welcome fuck? Welcome to my world, a- man. It's, who's that Billy Eilish? Why is there a Billy Eilish fucking Simpsons short? Like, I mean, I I get I get it. You know, you you want her to promote on her social media and fucking blah blah fucking blah. But create content that Simpsons fans want to watch. You know, you've got you've got hundreds of characters that you could use. 
and you've got mm. the most talented, some of the most talented writers in the world working for you. Fucking use them. My point of view on that, and I'm look, I'm not a fan of uh, these episodes or these shorts that are that's a very kind of like let's get them in the door by name dropping Billie Eilish or someone like that or whatever. But yeah, this is The Simpsons. They've been doing it for goodness knows how long. In sync on this episode, or you know, some guest star that may seem like. Did you hire this person because they're so-and-so or because of what they bring to the table? I don't know. You're right, though. I mean, it does feel a little bit disheartening that the episode that, to quote one of my favourite lines, called Rupert, Matt, Rupert Murdoch call himself a billionaire tyrant, is now sort of pandering so heavily to, you know, its Disney masters. Is a little, ah, that's not great. But I don't know. I think you've got, just like we do at Four Finger Discount, you got to do what you got to do to keep the lights on. And... I think, you know, they haven't completely sold out. Of course not. But there are times when those, yeah, the bulk of those new shorts are kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. Yeah, it's not something that I'd necessarily automatically tune into. It should be something that when they come up, you can't wait to watch it. And I see them come up and I go, eh. If, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of the biggest Simpsons fans you can think of. If I'm just not even, if I have my ha- the remote in my hand and it's hovering over the fucking latest Simpsons short in my you know, the, 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 the scroll bar on Disney+, Plus. all I have to do is just push a button and I'll play it, and I don't play it, that says something to me. You know, it's the fact that I can't be bothered wasting three minutes of my time to watch it, the fact that I see it as wasting my time, but as I was saying, you've got the talent there. Let them... I've always, mm. I've always been a big proponent of The Simpsons could do well as shorts. You know, Treehouse of Horror segments are like seven minutes long. If you can do so well with Treehouse of Horror, do it with a fucking... Because sometimes you watch episodes and the, you, you see stories and you think, well, that's a good story, but it's not enough to be an episode. Start yeah. making those the shorts. <laughs> At the very least, you know, try to create a bit of a ratio where it's like... Pandering, third, pandering and actual story. One third pandering, two thirds actual uh, actual stories. You know, actual interesting side stories of Simpsons uh, supporting characters or, yeah, episodes... That, or ideas that are quite enough for a full episode, but would, yeah, work really well as a short. You're right, you're right. Yeah, all right, next question here. Pat Wright asks, if you could transplant a character from a different cartoon show from any point in history, who would you choose and why? So which character would wow. you slot into The Simpsons from any cartoon ever in history? Wow, well, there's a lot of cartoons in yep. history, Pat Wright. <laughs> that, that, that's correct, Pat Wright. Uh, I think, how do you think Homer would go with... Hank and family moving in next door from King of the Hill. <laughs> Those two shows. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm I'm a bit behind on King of the Hill. It's not really. It wasn't really. Never really one of my huge nah, go to. Nah, I think it was the animation. Just sort of. I was like, ah, it doesn't look like The Simpsons. So I'm not going to enjoy it. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I, it always struck me as one of those ones. Where, from what I'd heard about it and what I'd seen, it's like. I get this is funny and I get this is smart, but it's not necessarily on my wavelength. But it's and it's always one that's like I should really check that out because I think Mike Judge is a pretty smart guy and a pretty funny guy. Yeah, and now it's on uh, Disney Plus. I definitely yeah, have so no excuse. I have to. We, that's we should be doing <laughs> King of the Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you heard it here first, listeners. If you want that, let us know. Yeah. Uh, is, do you think Pat's talking about like transplanting a character to be in in Springfield full time or just as like a guest spot? Let's just go guest spot for now for one episode. Hmm. Because I'm wondering what it'd be. I'm, I'm imagining Fred Flintstone and Homer Simpson like hanging out at a bar. 
Marge! <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they realise they've probably got more in common, except, you know, one's a literal caveman. Yeah, Dino and Santa's little helper just hanging yeah. out, having a good time in the backyard. Yeah. I, yeah, I think seeing, the, yeah. seeing Homer drive the Flintstone would, be, would have been a good laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Trickle toes. <laughs> Drive with your feet. <laughs> Bricks for your feet. Yeah, I don't know. I think, that could, I think that could work. I think that'd be kind of funny. Fred Flintstone and the Simpsons. I mean, we had the couch gag of the Flintstones on the... um, Because that, that's mm. sort of the joke being that the Simpsons wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Flintstones. The, the, the Simpsons yeah. was the Flintstones of the 90s, essentially. But yeah, you're right. I think that would have been a lot of fun seeing those two families combined. And it's a shame that... I mean, we could still it could still happen. You, that, that could be... Mate, those the shorts. Like... You know, the, mm. no, the Flintstones meet the Jetsons, that kind of thing. Have the Simpsons yeah. in like character, do like an Alvin and the Chipmunks deal, but with the Simpsons. We have all different TV animated fathers mm. all coming to the Simpsons for a for a for a shenanigans. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, two more. Actually, we got one more. One more. Owen Holland one says, more. if you were hired tomorrow as the showrunners for the foreseeable future of the Simpsons, what kind of mark would you want to leave on the series? Well, one would hope a good one. <laughs> I think we already sort of talked about that with you know give us the shorts guys you yeah know, we'll, we'll, we'll start we'll, we'll start we'll, with the shorts yeah and like this is a whole town full of interesting characters you know and I I think I'm 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 correct about that ratio of like one third you know fun cool you know name brand guest stars like you know Tonight on The Simpsons, it's, I don't know, a young... Billy <laughs> someone Eilish. That you, <laughs> someone the Zoomers like. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, and two-thirds is like, you know, a, a Kirk Van Houten story or whatever. I'm just thinking, or, you know what someone. would be fun would be getting moments from the, like the, from the past. For some reason, right in my head, I have the guy, you know, the whacking day where the guy rocks up with the army tank and it's like parking. Oh, yeah. Yay! You know that guy? Yeah. Just like, but but a lap, but showing what happens after that or the moment leading up to that. So sort of yeah. what happens off screen in classic episodes. A bit of a go or Pulp Fiction kind of thing for it, where you're viewing one event from a different perspective. And oh, yeah, all the shit that happened beforehand, all the shit that happened afterwards. Yeah, yeah which, which and that leads up to the moment that we all know and love. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. All the stuff you don't see happen. I think that'd be kind of cool. A cool concept as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm normally not a fan of filling in the blanks such as this. I like that you can let your imagination yeah. Yeah, run wild in that regard. But if you've got, you know, 30 plus seasons worth of material and stuff to dig into yeah cherry pick a few here and there and just expand on a little bit give us a, a little a little backstory on lyle lanley from the monorail episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah show him in other towns yeah show, show us in north havenbrook because <laughs> by gun he put them on the map <laughs> <laughs> or you know or like do a, a sex in the city sort of riff with Lindsay nagel or something yeah Exactly, it's endless what you can do with this universe, and they're just not yeah. doing it. So, hurry mm. up, or we'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 one just gave us carte blanche to do it. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we are now writing Simpson shorts, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is our wrap up of season sixteen of The Simpsons. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But before we leave, Mister Davis, we've got one last thing to do. We need Ooh, to we announce the winner of the Guy Davis New Name Championship New Name uh, Wildcard Prize. <laughs> so I've got all the names here, but besides uh, Philip J. Hawkins in the uh, randomizer. Yeah. The Did we officially announce that Philip J. Hawkins was the winner? I mean, oh, I think yeah, they would just say... It, yeah, he won it last episode. <laughs> okay, but let's let's make it official. The winner of 
you know, the uh, season 16 Guy Davis new name challenge is one Philip J. Hawkins. Yes, well done, Philip J. Well done. Correct. Congratulations, Back man. to back. Well done, sir. All right. Oof. I'm going to click randomize right now. Are you ready? One, two, three. Randomize. And the winner is Fergus Jeffs. Well done, Fergus. <laughs> Jeffy. Good on you, Fergus. You are the winner of the wildcard prize for the Guy Davis Union Championship for season 16. Congratulations. Don't forget, guys. If you want to be a part of this prize drawn part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship, just going to be a patron for as little as one single dollar we do, you can do so. So go on, support your pals Guy and Dando, become a part of the family, and you will certainly not regret it. Uh, next week, we're going to be kicking off Season 17 of The Simpsons. I can't remember what the episode's called. It's something... Uh, <laughs> it's got Joe Montanian, I remember that, and it's got Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it's, oh, cool. it's, the Manatee, it's the Manatee one. Simpsons Season 17. Hang on. Simpsons Season 17. The Bonfire of the Manatees. That is the next episode of Four Finger Discount. So thank you once again for all of your ongoing support. I am super appreciative of the fact that you guys are still sticking around and the fact that we are still in the top five most downloaded uh, after show Mm. podcasts on iTunes. I cannot believe that. Thank you so much for your support. You guys are absolute champions. Uh, Mr. Davis, any final words for those incredible listeners out there? The Simpsons. Shh.